0: So good morning, everybody. Um, just full disclosure, at 4 a.m. this morning, I was like randomly looking on my phone to see which of you I was going to call to preach for me this morning. Um, but I, none of your names really jumped out at me. So I got to work on my relationship with all of you to, to do that. I've been fighting a cold since Tuesday. And um, <laughs> no word of a lie. I just took some medicine a little bit earlier to kind of uh, I'm going to get through this. I took nighttime by accident, like no word of a lie, extra strength, nighttime medicine. So we'll see what happens. If I pass out, it could be the Holy Spirit. It could be the extra strength uh, Tylenol. We'll we'll just see you how know, this goes. Um, as Danielle sh- uh, shared, um, we are going to be starting this new sermon series in September about abiding in Christ, and I'm really excited about that. I think uh, just in the day and the age and the world that you and I live in today. Um, We need Jesus more than ever. And I think the church desperately needs. It's not just the world out there needs Jesus. I need Jesus. I need a deeper walk with Christ to just deal with everything that life is throwing at us in this culture that we live in today. And so I'm really excited about launching that up. So that's going to start on September the 10th. Leading up to that, we're going to be finishing this series that we're doing right now called Made for Monday. We're talking about how our faith makes a difference when you and I go to work or go to school or deal with our families on Monday morning. We're going to finish that series next week. Then in between the two series, I'm going to do just a little bit of a vision, what God's been putting on our hearts as leaders and where we feel we're going as we've been in this season of regrouping and refocusing and relaunching. So today, I'm going to continue, going to attempt to continue going through this series here, Made for Monday, and um, to help us kind of get our brains around the topic that I want us to look at today, how many of you have ever had a boss at work or a teacher at school That was really difficult to deal with, okay? Like, a lot of hands go up with that, okay? I have worked for some amazing people, and the people that I work for here at Greenbelt are amazing people, (laughs) right? But I have had very challenging bosses, In my career. Before I became a pastor, I spent 15 years working in the IT industry. I used to travel all over the world and set up computer systems for different corporations. And it was a cutthroat, lying, deceitful business just to get your foot into the door. I was literally in a meeting with executives in New York City, and as a brand new Christian at the time, told by the boss, to lie to the client. Anyone else that's ever happened to you? Right? See, business can be nasty. Business can be challenging. Work can be a struggle when the people who are over us are telling us to behave a certain way. Maybe when you were in school, whether you're in high school, elementary school, college, university, and the pressure became so difficult of trying to impress this professor or deal with this teacher, that the messaging that you receive is to compromise your character and cheat. What's the big deal if you cheat on this paper? What's this big deal if you cheat on this assignment or cheat on this test? No one's going to know, right? You and I, we live in a world where we have bosses over us, (laughs) who may not have God's best for us in mind. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. Because if you've grown up in church, if you've been coming to church for a long time, you will have heard this expression before. Do your work as unto the Lord. Any of you ever heard that? Right? We hear this. That comes from Colossians 3, uh, chapter 3, verses 23, where it says, Whatever you do, work at it with with all of your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. The challenge for you and I on Monday is that it feels like someone else is in charge of the reward. (laughs) If you don't do what they say, there's no paycheck. If you don't do what they say at school, there's no graduation. See, we live in a world where there are bosses over us, and we know we're supposed to do our work as on to the Lord. But you and I can wrestle of figuring out what does that even mean. How do we apply through the power of the God's word being taught to us by the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us? How do we truly? Be men, women, boys, and girls who can truly do our work as unto the Lord. That we understand that we have a greater boss than the boss that we report to. We have a greater boss than anyone who's trying to drive us into a certain direction. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a very familiar story. Well, familiar for those of you who grew up in church. If you're new to church or new to faith, or you're just kind of checking us out, I'm so glad that you're here. So this might be a new story for you. And it comes from the Old Testament. It's near towards the beginning of the Old Testament. It's early on in the history of the people of Israel. And it's a story about war. Now, I'm not saying your job and your workplace or your school or your family is a place of war. For some of you, you might feel like it is on some days. Okay, but I'm not saying that your workplace or your family or your school is a place of war, but we're going to use this story about war in order to just kind of unpack some godly principles here of how God works among his people. See, because God hasn't changed. How he worked in the the in the Old Testament, we see the same kind of things happening throughout the New Testament. We see the same things happening in church history, like God's character and God's methods for working within his church, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through as we learn about him through his word, these characteristics about God, I hope will encourage us with whatever we have to deal with on Monday morning. So I'm going to read, it's a bit of a long story, so I'm going to read about this guy named Gideon. Okay, and so if you want to follow along, we're gonna be reading in the Old Testament from the book of Judges. And Judges chapter seven is what I'm gonna be reading. <clears throat> and this takes place in about the mid-12th century BC. Okay. And, and so yeah, let me just read this. I'm gonna stop and pause a little bit, we'll unpack this, and then we're gonna look at this idea of truly doing our work as unto the Lord and how it can make such a difference for us on Monday morning. So let me start reading here in verse 1 of chapter 7. It says, Early in the morning, uh, Jerob Baal, that is Gideon, and all of his men camped in the spring of Herod. Right? And the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. And so 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. So just to kind of set a little bit of context here, what's happening is, is you have the people of Midian are at war with the people of Israel. And God has called Gideon to lead an army against the Midianites. And when you read about the call of Gideon earlier in Judges chapter 6, um, you kind of see Gideon's not very quick in listening to God. In fact, Gideon, when God kind of tells Gideon that he's going to save Israel from the Midianites, <clears throat> Gideon immediately informs God about his own inadequacies. And so, because he knows he's not all that great, he asked God for a sign. Prove to me, God, that you're going to do this before I put myself in a risky situation. Does that connect with you in any way whatsoever? (laughs) God, prove it before I step out in faith. See, that's basic human nature 101, okay? You and I will struggle from that constantly. And so God does what God does and answered Gideon's prayers and proved it to him. And he didn't believe it. And he tested God again. Again, how many of you connect with that? Where you seek God. God, I am not going to do this unless you prove yourself. He proves himself. You know, yeah, I'm not too sure that was you. That's a coincidence. It might have been I had too much pizza at night. And I had weird dreams. I'm not too, that's just total coincidence about the sermon. Or the friend who said something. Or all the things that God uses to guide us. And then God reveals himself again. Okay. And so now with that confidence that God's going to do something, Gideon went out to go and defeat the Midianites with 32,000 men. And the first thing God says is your army's too big. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not a military guy. Like the only military experience I have is video games. Okay, I have no video experience, uh, no military experience whatsoever. Okay? So, but I'm going to make an assumption about war. The one with the biggest army tends to win unless you're really really bad at war. Okay? And so now Gideon shows up with 32,000 men, which seems like a very very big army. And God calls out our human nature here because he says, it's too many. Because if you win with all of this, you are going to take the credit. See, it's, again, human nature 101 to take credit for our careers, for our families, for our education, for the battles that we face. The default of our human heart is to take all the credit. Right? Even godly people can wrestle with this. And so God goes through an exercise and starts to <laughs> cut back in the army. So let me continue reading here in, um, <clears throat> in verse 5. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. And so 300 of them drank from the cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and the rest got down on their knees to drink. See, what God asked Gideon to do here, he says, take the remaining army that you have, take the remaining 10,000 men, bring them down to the river so that they can drink, and you're going to observe how they handle this. There's two types of people. One person gets down on their hands and knees, and they put their face in the water, and they drink. Another person gets down by the water, and they put their hands in, and they make a bowl. And they drink it like this. Okay, The ones who got down on their hands and knees and drank, they're all kicked out. And that's the bigger number. Now, it's interesting. I was reading a commentary this week about this passage, and it was saying, again, if you were thinking of this chapter just strictly as a military professional, right, think about, All of your soldiers on their hands and knees with their face in a river. And the enemy shows up. That's a bad place to be. Whereas the other soldiers that are up like this drinking the water can easily just drop the water, grab their sword, and defend themselves. So there's like a military thing happening in here. I thought that was pretty cool. And so... It says in verse 7, then the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men, the 300 men that lapped, I will save you, and I'll give the Midianites Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. And it's like, okay, God, here's, again, this huge army that I had, and now you've windled it down to 300 people. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but he kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. And it says, now it continues, now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. And during that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp and put your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. And then it kind of, tells us how Gideon is feeling at this moment, because God says, if you're still afraid, go and check things out. So what happens in this next verse? He goes and checks things out. So he's afraid. But he, so he, Gideon, and Purah, his servant, they went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Doesn't give us the number of this army. But it's a lot more than 300. <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> They're camels, no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. So Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Hey, I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tents overturned and collapsed. His friend responded. You had too much pizza last night. What are you smoking? This what does it mean anything? No, he says this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. That's how he's interpreting this dream. That they're in trouble. Gideon heard that the dream and its interpret heard the dream and the interpretation. Then he bowed down and worshipped. Like How many times did Gideon have to hear again and again and again that God is going to do this? How many times do you and I need to hear again and again and again that God is going to do this before we bow down in worship? You see, the more you get to know who God is, and how trustworthy God is, and how good God is, and how safe he is, and how strong he is, and that he is a really, really good boss that you can trust. The response is worship. The response is a complete, total trust in God. And so the big idea that I want us to kind of think about as we kind of continue through this is this idea that God constantly shows us that he is a trustworthy boss. God constantly shows that he is a trustworthy boss. When we say that the Lord is the Lord of our lives, when we say that we're going to do our work on Monday morning as on to the Lord, it's because God is trustworthy. And even though the world around us might look like that we can't trust the situation, we can. Because we can trust who God is. And then this story concludes, and I'm just going to summarize it, um, Gideon wins. (laughs) He actually listens to God. He takes the 300 men. They surround the camp. And the, the enemies of the people of Israel have this panic attack. They think the army is way greater than it is. And the enemies of God actually begin to destroy themselves before Israel even shows up to clean up the mess. All right. God shows that he is a trustworthy boss. Excuse me. And so. Three kind of ideas that I'd like us to draw deeper from this story to help you and I deal with Monday. I don't know what your Monday looks like tomorrow. I think mine's going to be in bed. Okay. But we'll see. If we don't, we'll see where your Monday is. Okay. But whatever your Monday looks like, you can deal with it because God is trustworthy. He's trustworthy, even though maybe the situations around you look like it's not. And so three things that 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 we can draw from this story of Gideon and the Midianites. And so I encourage you, if you want to jot these down, you know, talk about them as a family, you know, think about them in your quiet time is this. Is the first we have to remember about God's guidance and intervention. Right. Gideon recognizes firsthand God's guidance and intervention in this situation. Now, it took Gideon a few attempts to actually trust it. You know, we read in Judges chapter 6 about how Gideon would put this fleece out and, well, if it's dry or if it's wet, and then I'm going to believe you or not believe you and all of these things that he keeps testing God. I got to go and hear about this dream over here because I'm still afraid to trust you. But Gideon is constantly being reassured of God's guidance and God's intervention. And that's God's character. All throughout the Bible, you can read that God is a God of guidance and intervention. This is why, when Danielle announced, why a series like Abide is so often is so important. Because when Christians say, "I don't hear God," that's a bad place to live out your Christian faith. Okay, God speaks. God guides. God intervenes. We just need to practice some discipline to make to know that we're listening to the right things. Okay. So because and I know this for certain because all throughout the Bible we hear about God's guidance and intervention. We read in Isaiah chapter thirty, verses twenty one as an example. It says, Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. God speaks, He guides, He intervenes. Right, John sixteen thirteen, it says, But when He, the Spirit of Truth, Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will guide you in all truth. God is a God who guides and who intervenes. Right? Life isn't always clear, and I'm the first to admit that. <laughs> but God's word promises guidance for his children. You and I just need eyes open to see it. And I think what we need to do is we also have to practice remembering when God has done it. Because you and I can forget how God guides I mean, I share the story all the time when I talk to different church leaders and different pastors when you know, because right now, you know, pastors used to love getting together and talking about how big their churches are. It's just a thing we do. How many people come to your church on Sunday? You know, it's just part of it. <laughs> now what we do is how many people did you lose during the pandemic? That's like the new question that we ask now. That's how I only lost forty percent. I lost thirty percent. Great, somehow makes us feel better. Okay. But I tell the story constantly because I could never have planned how, you, how this church dealt with the pandemic. I'm not smart enough of a leader. Like we actually had a meeting back in the cafe. All the elders, all the deacons, all the staff, and all of our spouses got together. And we spent the day together just praying, doing communion together, repenting of stuff that we needed to repent of. And at the end of that meeting, someone had suggested, it was actually Pastor Paul, And said, we need to invest significantly in the internet. And everyone was in agreement with that. And then we presented that to you in February, that we needed a budget of about $15,000 to buy technology stuff. You approved it. We ordered everything. It showed up on March 15th. And then the Ontario government asked us to kind of go into lockdown on March 16th. Okay, I can't plan that. I'm not that smart in January. Dude, that's God's guidance and God's intervention. And that first two years when we moved to all this church online stuff, we saw over 150 people accept Christ. And we can't take any credit for that. It's all God. See, you and I constantly need to be reminded that God is a God who guides and God is a God who intervenes. We just need eyes to see it. Okay? That's the first thing guidance and intervention. The second thing that we can see from this story is weakness and strength. Weakness and strength. Now, again, you and I, as modern day evangelical Christians, We have a lot of strengths. We're the most educated people that the world has ever seen. We have more access to information at this point of history than at any other time when humanity has existed. You know, I always love when people say, I don't know how to do this. Dude, Google it. There's no reason for anyone to ever say, I don't know how to do something. You could easily learn it. I have repaired washing machines and dishwashers. I've redone my attic. Like I've done crazy stuff I should never be doing because I've got Google. Okay, we've got all this stuff. We have amazing strength, amazing information available to us, right? We're so educated. We're so talented. We have access to all this information in a thing that is this big in our pocket. I'm talking about your phone. Okay? And it's so easy for you and I on Monday morning to completely lean into our own strength. And forget about God. You see, I kind of wonder when Gideon is constantly afraid. And dealing with this issue of the army getting smaller and smaller and smaller. He's like, dude, you're taking away all of my strength. Like, you're taking away the things that are going to work for me. And again, God kind of revealed already at the beginning of this chapter, in in chapter 7, of God's purpose of this battle. Yes, God wants to defeat the enemies. But ultimately... God's purpose is that God receives glory. You see, that's another part of the nature of God. Is God is a God who receives glory for our lives. When he blesses us, it's great that we're blessed, but it's so that he receives glory. When God uses us to help someone put their faith in Jesus, it feels wonderful for us and we love it and we love when we have baptisms and we hear the story and the church starts to grow or our kids ministry grows or our youth ministry grows. It it feels good, but the goal is not that green belt can go, wow, look how amazing we are. The goal is so that God will receive glory. Right? And so you and I need to remember how weak we are without God. Even with the education, even with the experience, even with all the information that we have, at the end of the day, it's nothing compared to the greatness of God. Nothing. It's nothing. My education is nothing. My little seminary degree? God mocks that. He's created the heavens and the earth. He's not impressed with my 20 credits. (laughs) Okay, he helped me get through it, and he helped me get through it a lot. <laughs> okay, because I'm ADHD, school was hard. <laughs> okay, but we got to remember our weakness, right? And that's why I love what God does to Gideon here. He brings him to this point of complete weakness. You only get 300, men because it forces Gideon to trust in the strength of God. And again, and we read about that idea all throughout our Bibles as well. Isaiah 41 verse 10, it says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with a righteous right hand. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 12:9 says, my grace is all you need. <laughs> you don't need your power. You don't need your education. You don't need everything. My grace is all you need for my power is the greatest when you are weak. <laughs> Now we know that God gives the church spiritual gifts and God strengthens us in order to accomplish the mission that God calls for us. But we have to remember the situations that you and I find ourselves in, it's not our own personal strength, it's God's strength. I remember, and I'm not telling this story to boast because I'm just trying to show I get the tension of this. I was a brand new Christian. We had little kids at the time. I was working in the computer consulting industry, and it was a Sunday morning. And I'm getting baby seats into our minivan when we were still living in Montreal, and I got a phone call from the office that says I need you need to come into work right now. And I'm a new Christian. And we had made a decision, Danielle and I, that Sunday morning in our lives was the priority over everything else. Kids sports, school responsibilities, work. It was just, I'm not saying that to shame. I'm just saying that that's what we decided to do. The worshiping of God is crucial. The gathering with the people of God is crucial. And so I'm on the phone, and I told this guy, I'm here, I'm this junior-level nobody, and the guy up here says, you come in. And I said, I'll see you Monday. Because of my religious belief, I can't come in on Sunday. I'll see you tomorrow. And I would love to say that I spent all that Sunday just feeling so close to God. (sighs) I spent that Sunday throwing up, and that was before you had email on your phone, and so I had to dial in to check my work email. You're sitting there, and you're kind of waiting 10 minutes to connect to the work email to see if I've been fired, okay? But again, I don't say that to boast, but we have to understand that God is stronger than our boss. God is stronger than the situations that we find ourselves in. And are we obedient? Do we put God first in our weakness to allow Him to be strong? I could have gone into work. It wouldn't have been a big deal. We would have missed a Sunday. My kids don't remember it. My wife doesn't. Remember. I don't remember what. I don't remember the sermon that Sunday. But we put God first in this stuff and we trusted His strengths. Okay? Strength and weakness, guidance and intervention. And then finally, this. It's faith and obedience. Right, Gideon's faith in God shows us his obedience. The Gideon is the guy, remember, who was keeps testing God to see if God is trustworthy. Puts out a fleece, God passes. Puts on another fleece, God passes. Right, verse 10 shows us Gideon is still dealing with fear. He's got this distrust in God he hears about a Midianite who has a dream and another Midianite who, tr- who interprets the dream saying, well, we're, we're doomed. Gideon's coming in to take, take us over. You see, faith, your faith is proven by your actions. You and I can't say we believe something about God if our actions never reflect that. Our obedience, and and we don't preach obedience to please God, right? We're not kind of one of these churches, well, God hates you and God's mad at you and you better follow all these rules and you better be very obedient because then if you don't, God won't love you. That's not what we preach at all. Here we preach that God loves you. And God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, right? Because you're not obedient enough. To please God. You and I are not obedient enough. In order to keep all of the commandments of God. But he sent Jesus. Who was the fullness of God. To come in human likeness. To die a sinner's death on the cross. So that our sin. Can be washed away. And when we believe that. That Jesus died for us. When we accept that freely given gift, as we've seen in a couple of the other verses already, the Holy Spirit comes into us, seals us permanently, and makes us new, become a new creation, and then we embark on a journey of faith. And there will be days that our faith and our obedience will be aligned. And there will be days... When we say what we believe and how we behave, there's still a gap. That's the journey that we go on to together. But we see Gideon, his, we see his faith in action by his obedience of stepping into this battle with only 300 men. Is God really going to save us? He promised me he would is this my last night alive? Again, I don't think you and I deal with that question too often, is tonight my last night alive? But some of you might be dealing, work is really hard right now. Am I going to be here much longer? There's a lot of uncertainty in things in this world right now that can bring a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. But we need to put our faith in God who has shown himself again and again and again to be a trustworthy boss, that he is good and he is worth believing in and worth following. I love how Jesus said these words in John chapter 14, verse 15 says, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll obey what I command. And in James chapter one, verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, that's how you and I should be living out Monday. It's great when we gather together on Sunday morning and we sing songs and we worship and we see our friends and we have coffee and we have cookies and we pray and we got kids ministry and all these amazing things that we do. But we do this to prepare you for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That you have a boss who loves you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you and he is trustworthy and you can trust his guidance. You can trust his intervention. You can lean into his strength and you can have faith in him and you can obey. Let's pray. Lord God, I'm just grateful for this morning together in your word. Thankful even, and my study of the word this week is how he spoke to me in those times when I've been more <laughs> afraid or of dealing with things or not sensing your guidance or not trusting you. So God, forgive me for those times. And God, I just incredibly grateful for your intervention in our church In our lives. God, I'm very grateful for your guidance. Lord, I'm very grateful for your strength that pours out to each and every one of your children as we walk in our own weakness. And Father God, I pray that even today you would strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith. We have a lot of stuff to deal with outside of this building, in our families, in our schools, in our workplace to strengthen our faith and God help us to obey, help us to obey the call that you have on our lives for the sole purpose of you receiving glory, that you would receive glory on how we talk to people at work, that you would receive glory by how we talk to other people at school, that you would receive glory by how we're out in our communities stay at home parents and all the responsibilities that we have. God, receive glory by our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.